this is Jonathan Marks and welcome to this short and I'm afraid not so sweet On Your Marks Book Review podcast. This week I read the book The Practice by Seth Godin. There's not much I can say about this book that wouldn't be better said by the Monty Python team, so here's a clip from the Australian table wine sketch, just substitute wine for book. Of the sparkling wines, the most famous is Perth Pink. This is a bottle with a message in and the message is beware. This is not a wine for drinking. This is a wine for laying down and avoiding. <laughs> I don't think I could have said it much better. Amusingly, the author of this week's book invokes a few references to Monty Python as well, one of the few redeeming qualities of the book. And so here with my review, hard pass on this book. Not much more I can really say. For those who are pressed for time, feel free to switch off the podcast now. But for those who have a few minutes to kill, enjoy my acerbic analysis of this rather nasty book. I did a rough calculation. Let's say half of my thousand listeners have thought about reading this book, and let's say the book took you a day to read. Well, my selfless review and the expenditure of about five hours I'll never get back just saved 500 work days. That's two work years of time. You're welcome. Please spend the time wisely, my friends. So let's give this book a little bit more attention. Seth Godin is widely published. I think this is book number 15. He is a consultant, speaker, trainer, writer, and of course, all-round impressive human being. He certainly has created an empire around his work, and I think it's because of this that I feel 100% okay with tearing this book to shreds. I mean, how much damage can I really do? I have read a few of his other books and generally found them an easy read with some useful and quick-to-apply ideas. This book caught my eye as I was interested to know a little bit more about the process of creative work. How do highly creative people get stuff done? How do you harness inspiration and creativity as and when you need it? The idea of a practice made good sense to me. Many others have written about how perseverance and consistency always beats pure talent. So I jumped into the book with this mindset, and then promptly got lost in the rambling set of stories and anecdotes that make up the 256 pages. I tossed it aside and considered my options. Should I dump the book and pretend it was never on the list? Would alcohol help me through the process? In the end, I thought that this book would be best read on the loo. That's pretty much lost time anyway, so I wouldn't feel nearly as resentful to the author for wasting my otherwise valuable time reading his book. And I think this may be the best place for the book, The Water Closet. There are 219 vignettes in the book, each no more than a few pages long, and generally about the length of a healthy bowel movement. This book was a kind of quasi-intellectual intruder into that class of books made for the guest loo, like Winnie the Pooh Zen sayings and things like that. The stories and vignettes are clustered into these odd chapters or sections with titles like There is no such thing as writer's block, or generous, or seek out your constraints. Under these sections are the stories and commentaries, which seem to be unrelated and maybe only tangentially related to the topic. I wondered if maybe the book had been assembled incorrectly, like maybe a renegade printer had decided to mess with the good people at Penguin Business Books and shuffle around the pages. How else could you explain a three-page treatise on the role of the receptionist in a business under the intent chapter? The advice, by the way, included things like bake fresh cookies every other day, anticipate that company guests may need to use the restroom and point that out when they arrive. Offer tasty snippets of personal information on staff members to better inform the visitor, and so on and so on. I'm cringing just repeating this now. 
My other plausible explanation was that this book was some kind of contractual obligation on the part of Mr. Godin, and that he just grabbed at a bunch of stories and ideas, tossed them together in a sort of word salad, and kicked it up to his editor. The editor must have been sheltering in place, no doubt from his client as well as COVID, and signed off the work without enduring what I had to endure over repeated bathroom visits during the week. So I navigated the book a little like those odd 3D pictures that were all the rage at one point. If you kind of look at it suddenly and from a weird angle, you catch a quick glimpse of the picture hidden among the pixels. So if you ignore the chapter headings and all pretense of regard for the reader, you might find a few amusing and even interesting stories in the book. Here's one that did stick out for me. The Wild Side. In 1972, Herbie Flowers was a session musician. He showed up with his double bass guitar and did what was asked of him. David Bowie had worked with Flowers on Space Oddities, so when Lou Reed asked Bowie for a recommendation, he made the connection to Flowers. Reed gave Flowers a bar of music to play. In the moment, Herbie asked Lou if it was okay if he experimented a bit. He decided to do an overdub, using an electric bass to go 10 notes above the double bass track he had already recorded. The result? The haunting backbone of Take a Walk on the Wild Side. In 20 minutes, Herbie Flowers delivered a tiny bit of genius and ensured Lou Reed's career. Of course, it took more than 20 minutes. It took a decade of building his craft and learning to see and listen. Here's a bit of that musical genius now. So beautiful. Please see the podcast notes for a link to that track on YouTube. Well, there's not much more I can say. I could go on, but I think I've made my point. Maybe this is partly a result of having devoured the number of books I have over the last six months. I just now seem to have less patience than before for poorly researched and poorly written books. I'll stick with my list for now, good, bad and ugly, although I hope that there aren't too many of those left to read. But I certainly will be a lot more discerning in my future acquisitions. In the week ahead, I am reading a wonderfully relevant book. Well, relevant to me at least. The Middle Passage by Jungian analyst James Hollis. This book has been sitting on my bookshelf for many years. I think waiting for the right moment to be read, and it just feels like this is that moment. So please look out for that review next Tuesday. Well, that's all from me. I hope you have an inspiring, productive, and absolutely beautiful week ahead. 